Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple, and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hey, welcome back to Maintain the Flame this week. I'm Keith Collins, your host, and I am glad to know that you're listening. I pray that your life is being used for the Lord in this hour that we live in, and again, just so humbled every week to be able to come to you on this program to share the truth of God's Word with you. So this week, I'm blessed once again to have in the studio with me one of my dearest friends in the world that I've I've known for several years who has really become really more like a brother than just a friend. So Eric Miller, thank you so much for being with me today in the studio. It's such an honor to be here with you again, Keith. Yeah, you know, last week we we spent some time talking about our experience at the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. And, um, you know, we're not too far away from Father's Day. Last week was Father's Day last weekend. And you and I both remember that that's the day in 1995 where God just poured out His Spirit in Pensacola, Florida, Brownsville Assembly of God. And God used an evangelist by the name of Steve Hill, who was this John the Baptist type figure and the Lord used him in a powerful way, and both our lives were so impacted by that. Amen? Amen. Yeah, and last week we shared about that, and then we talked about how that it's important to maintain or to steward what God did, even in that season in my life and in Eric's life. Now, Eric, you and your family were so touched then. Of course, Sierra, your first child, was with you then, and you've gone to have four more children, five children. And the Lord at some point... Um, put his hand on your life and said, hey, you guys are going to the Philippines. And the Philippines, if you've been there, you realize it's a long way from America. (laughs) So how did that come about? Could you share some of that history with us today? Sure. When I was in my third semester at Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, there was a trip that summer of 2000 that was going to the Philippines. And I had already been to Mexico And we started to feel a calling towards missions, but had really no concept that that's what we would be doing most likely for the rest of our lives. And so I wanted to find out information. I found out the trip was going to cost about $2,200, and I was like, man, that's a lot of money for a two-week trip, but what are you saying, Lord? So I went to the library of the school which is an inherited library from a prior ministry school so a lot of the books were very old and the only book in there that i can find about the philippines 
was a book entitled Fire in the Philippines. Hmm. It was written by Jim Montgomery, and in this book, he recounted following the ministry of a couple named Arthur and Evelyn Thompson. Mm -hmm. They were four square missionaries, incredible healing anointing upon their lives. And I was just overwhelmed because, you know, here we are still a part of the Brownsville revival. And this is recounting a revival that took place in the city of Davao in the Philippines on the island of Mindanao and spread out through that island where they planted well over two to three hundred churches, Bible schools, and sent out missionaries, church planning. It was just spectacular. And Jim Montgomery, when he wrote the book, was a Baptist man who did not believe in the gifts and power of the Spirit. And he goes, he looks at a chart, a growth chart of the churches in the Philippines at that time. He saw the Baptists, he saw so many different denominations and then he looked at the Foursquare church and it was like off the charts and he says why is that so he took a flight he goes to Davao City and he ends up finding out the reason why and a lot of it had to do that they were preaching the full gospel the baptism of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following Wow and Jim Montgomery by the end of the book gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and I'm reading this saying, wow, this is spectacular. i got to go on this trip. <laughs> Not knowing that this happened in the 1950s and 60s. And so the trip, again, was in the summer of 2000. We go on the trip. God provides all the money. And I'm asking people for two weeks, do you know who Evelyn Thompson was? Arthur Thompson, Jim Montgomery. Nobody knew who they were. What I didn't know is that we were three hours away from where the center of where this all took place, which we spent the last night of that missions trip in Davao City, but I still didn't understand all the details and names. Right. We come back and we are, a, uh, I'm in my last semester, graduate, we become a part of Fire International, and we think that we're gonna be missionaries to South America. But in short, the Lord, after several months after that Philippines trip, began to speak to us that we were called to the Philippines. And little did we realize that there were four other families that were also on that initial trip who were being called. And the Lord was speaking to each family individually. And we found out we became a team of five families and began to prepare to move to the Philippines. Wow, what a, what an amazing story. Not just the fact that you guys went there, but there were four other families that felt that same call. And didn't you didn't you tell me one time, I believe you're the one that told me this, I don't think it was Mike Bailey, but I think you're the one that told me that you guys actually met Evelyn Thompson before yes. you went. Can you yeah. just share, just, just take a minute and share about that experience. Sure. So what happened was in 2001, we're raising funds, we're preparing to go, and it took us almost two years to do a lot of that. Right. And a month after September 11th, we had to take out another trip to go to the Philippines, all five families, to see what it was going to take for us to live there, to kind of spy out the land. The first time we went was just kind of serving local churches, and none of us felt called there. But on this trip, 
I met Bob Weiner before the service at fire <laughs> and he was speaking that night and Larry Tomzak told me to go up to him and say that we're going to the Philippines. We have been fasting and praying that week. And I went there and he says, he says, oh, that's phenomenal. I was just in the Philippines three months ago. And he said, I was in a place called Davao City. <laughs> and that's where we're headed. And he put us in touch with a, a brother who's gone to be with the Lord, who was a multimillionaire, but has been doing missions work in the Philippines on and off for 40 years. His name was Don Ostrom. And he put us in touch with Brother Don. We go to the Philippines. We get off the f flight. And we God opens up all kinds of doors. And we end up meeting a key pastor in the city of Davao. His name is Ray Kiloton. And I ask him, Brother Ray, do you know about Evelyn Thompson? And he says, oh, you know about Evelyn Thompson. How did you find out? I said, I read this book. He looked at me and said, Fire in the Philippines. I said, yeah. He said, over 40 years ago, I, I got healed in one of Evelyn Thompson's wow. meetings. And I've been a pastor in a four-square church ever since. Amazing. Then. He told me at that moment, he said, when you are ready to move to the Philippines, please let me know because Evelyn Thompson is still alive. <laughs> she lives in Los Angeles, California, and I would be happy to set up a meeting wow. if you guys are willing to do that. And I said, absolutely. So fast forward to January 2003. When we move to the Philippines, we fly from Pensacola to Atlanta to L.A. We have a 10-hour layover in L.A. We rent a vehicle, and one of our guys, Mike Bailey, who was the leader of the team, stayed behind with the 30 pieces of luggage, and I was able to record by audio our meeting with Evelyn Thompson. She was 93 years old, wow. and she's just this little, frail, uh, sweet, elderly woman but who was kind of like a female Leonard Ravenhill. <laughs> and she looked at us and she said, so you want to go to the Philippines? And she sat down and she said, don't go. <laughs> and we're thinking, oh, might be a little too late right now. <laughs> and she put her head down, she lifted up her head, and she had all kinds of tears filling her eyes. And she said, but if you go and God calls you, it'll be the greatest thing you ever experience. Wow. And she began to recount to us testimony after testimony, souls being saved, wow. the dead being raised, bodies being healed. Mm. And friends, I'm just going to tell you, I've met some of these people over the years in the Philippines who've been healed, who've been saved, you know, who've been delivered from demons. And now they have been serving Jesus for well over 50 years. Wow. It was so amazing. That's that's amazing. I I, I love that story. Um, I love the way that the Lord obviously orchestrated this entire ministry that, that's now there. And you guys have been there how many years, Eric? So we were there 17 years until at 2020 when we came to the States and have been unable to go back because of different restrictions. Yeah, because of COVID-19, obviously, I've not even been to the Philippines in over two and a half years because of, of COVID-19 myself, and hopefully we'll be able to get back soon. But, mm. you know, one thing I've noticed about being there, Eric, um, and not just being there, but also now watching your life, watching Casey's life, watching the life of those that you have poured into. And, you know, Eric can go into this if he wants to, but just real quick, um, you know, through the years, these guys have planted a church. They've, 
um, did Bible studies. They planted a, a ministry school, a Bible school, a fire school of ministry. They have won many disciples to the Lord. They've one-on-one disciple people. I mean, go on and on. But the thing that amazes me the most is the the fruit that remains. So in your experience there, Eric, um, you know, as you've poured into so many people over the years, what is it you think even now as you look at really your spiritual children, what is it that they called or what is it that they have that has enabled them to move forward in what God started there through you and Casey? Well, you know, it's like last week when we talked a lot about personal revival. Yeah. We just went to the streets. The first six months we were there, we just spent in prayer. We did no ministry. And five days a week, two hours a day. And it laid the foundation. You know, sometimes you got to prepare the soil before you plant the seed. So true. And when we went out on the streets, we just... We didn't have any plans. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and yet... God just led us to the right people. We start. We went to the poor first, and we started seeing people give their lives to Jesus. We saw, wow. you know, transvestites come to the Lord. Amen. And and some a year or two later, we started going to the mountains and and tribal areas and into a garbage dump, and we just saw all kinds of people starting to come to the Lord. Uh, we started doing a discipleship day on Saturdays. But we were all kind of still living near each other as missionaries. And it was also new to us. And we were just kind of going with the flow. You know, it wasn't like we had uh, a specific thing in mind that we wanted to create. We were just out of the overflow of our hearts, ministering to people. And I think these students, these young men and women, began to see that they look at us as spiritual fathers now and and mothers and we look at their lives and what God's done with them as they've learned how to walk with Jesus on our own you know we we have to you know Paul said follow me as I follow Christ mm, and that's what we endeavor to do is be in relationship with these folks not be the uh, superheroes not build the ministry around us but to come uh, not as overseers, but as servants. And as we did, I think they, you know, Filipinos are so relational. And we began to, they began to trust us and see that we love them. And we taught them principles from the Word of God and walked through life together. And now we have all kinds of different <laughs> ministry that's taking place. That's so, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And, you know, again, we talked about last we talked about the Browns revival last week. To me, it's really the fruit of what God did in your lives in Pensacola. However, you guys have been faithful to walk out the call of God through an intimate relationship with Jesus. And the result of that is sons and daughters who reproduce sons and daughters. And really, that's that's really what this is all about. You know, I've, I've been in ministry now, Eric, for um, 36 years and have pastored churches and have overseen Bible schools and have traveled to 37 different nations to preach and teach the gospel. Um, and, and I've been so blessed to do that. But at this season in my life, I am much more passionate about seeing others fulfill the call upon their lives than my own personal ministry. And I, I realize that that we really need, you know, Paul said you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. Right. We, we are in desperate dire need 
of spiritual fathers, of spiritual mothers, of of people that are willing to prefer others above themselves right. and people that are willing to invest in their spiritual children that the Lord puts in their lives. And, and let me just honor you guys, and I know that's not what you want me to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. I've, I've really seen that example um, in your life, in Casey's life, that you guys, you didn't just teach your students how to, you know, write a, a book report on a book of the Bible or how to, you know, be, you know, a, a great student, but you really taught them Jesus. You you taught them intimacy. And I know that you've spent, I mean, I've been there in those prayer meetings that go two hours or more. I've, I, I've seen the street ministry. I've seen you feeding the kids, and I've seen your spiritual children loving on those, some of the poorest kids in the world, and just being there week after week after week. And and how important is it for us to remember spiritual fathers and the deposit that they've given us? And you know, what's the danger in counseling that out, Eric, in this generation that we live in? Oh, yeah. You know, it's amazing. We, we have learned so much from you and Darla, from other incredible leaders like Dr. Brown and uh, Josh and Toby Peters, yes. the Gladstones. You know, th- there's so many incredible, the Volks, yeah. you know, there's so many people that God has put in our lives. And we didn't always have all the personal time, but the way that you guys approached ministry it wasn't like you were building yourselves up it was you were always promoting Jesus and you made it personal for us and when we did have the personal times and saw how you function in your marriage and with your kids and and how you dealt with money and and when you were away from a pulpit what you were like to us it meant everything and I would just encourage folks look whether you've had godly mentors or not, you have your Father in Heaven. Amen. And if you have people on top of that who can help, that's like icing on the cake, <laughs> you know? But we, I, I just believe that it's, it's very simple. Ministry doesn't have to be difficult. It really can be very simple if we keep it biblically based and not try and make it into something more that... We have to keep up with others, but we say, you know what? I love Jesus. I'm going to spend time with him and let him build my life, grow Amen. my life, focus on my wife and children. And in that process, we began to see that, you know, the church is a family and God sets the lonely into a family. So good. And the loneliest people are people who don't know Jesus. And when we spend time with them, they just learn and watch our lives and do the things that you guys did for us, we do with them. And it it just keeps multiplying and growing <laughs> over and over and over. And you watch God raise up people. We If we'll just plant and water and let God make things grow, mm, amen. it's so much better than if we try and force something to happen and put people in positions and and try and move things forward to make ourselves look good, if we'll just be still and know that He's God, He really knows what He's doing. So good, brother. I just, again, I, I can't say enough about how important it is to um, 
to be deliberate in discipling people, to be deliberate in spending time with people. One thing I love about the Filipino culture, and it's really like this in a lot of areas of the world, South America, um, Africa, different parts of the world, but there's such a, a family sense that's present within the culture of the Filipino people. And I think that's the way the church should be. You know, sometimes in America, I'm not trying to talk bad about my country, but sometimes in America we're so independent and we, we are so um, into ourselves and into our own ministries that we forget it's, it's really about multiplication and spiritual reproduction. Amen. So, um, you know, I've, I've been blessed, again, to see that through your life, Eric, and, and Casey's life as well. What's, what's happened? You, you guys have been in the States now two and a half years. I know it's gone by fast, yeah. and I know you've been preaching a lot in the States, and um, you started Revival Cry. You can talk about that a little bit if you'll let the people know about that. But sure. what's happened um, with the ministry there that you guys were really forced to kind of vacate because of, of COVID-19? Well, you know, years ago, the Lord gave us a word that if we'll invest in people first, property will come later. Mm-hmm. And over the years, we never felt released to just buy property, build buildings, but to invest whatever the Lord provided into the people, to love the people, to walk with them, to be a part of their weddings, their funerals, their kids growing up, holding their babies, loving on them. And in the context of the five families that moved there, and now there's so many other incredible families and uh, single folks, missionaries who are there, who are pouring into the Filipinos, we have so much going on. You know, there's uh, Casey and I are res- have been responsible for over 16 years of a feeding program called Faith Promise Feeding Program mm. that feeds about 110 children every week. It's amazing. And then we, we've had fire school ministry, which we've had to shut down the last couple of years because of COVID restrictions. And there's other things that our team has done. We have two orphanages, one called Safe Haven, the other one called Hope for All Children. Mm-hmm. One of our guys, the Cracknell family, they're out there in the mountains reaching the tribals, planting churches, seeing miraculous things every week. <laughs> and, it, and it's just awesome. But the most incredible thing that we've seen since we've been back are the amount of Filipinos that we've poured into have graduated from fire school and ministry and have gone out either back to their local churches, working with some of our missionaries, or pioneering new works. Since COVID and all the restrictions in the Philippines and the hardships that people have endured, we've seen multiple churches planted. We've seen feeding programs. This is all by Filipino leaders. It's amazing. Indigenous leaders. We've got one young lady. Her name is Karina. And Karina just had a burden to go reach out to this tribal group called the Manobo tribe. And they're in the mountains. And she went up there. They're farmers. They're very, very poor. She wanted to help educate, tutor the children. She started doing that, bringing little snacks and things like that. She's not wealthy. She doesn't have any real amount of money coming in. But she used what was in her hand. And as she started reaching out, now she ministers and tutors Uh, weekly, monthly, to about 50 to 70 children. Their families have come to the Lord. She built, they built, uh, the people helped her to build a bamboo structure. (laughs) They're providing whatever they can. We have uh, uh, another young man. His name is Renate and his wife, Joanna. We saw them both come to the Lord over the years. Uh, 
and Renate's always been a real handy guy and driving trucks around the island very far distances he got saved uh, years ago at an outdoor meeting where he was really the only one who showed up <laughs> and and yet he went through the school of ministry and now he and his wife and their two boys they travel throughout the island of Mindanao. They're preaching the gospel. They've just inherited property, wow. which was amazing. He's building a facility there with his own hands, their own home. He wants to train evangelists. They preach the gospel everywhere they go. And it, it just thrills our hearts. We have others that are started a, a youth outreach program in our city, reaching uh, young people involved with gangs and drugs and all kinds of garbage wow. and started reaching out. It quickly grew to about 120 students and they led about 70 plus students to the Lord wow. and they're discipling them. They're doing small groups with them. They're actually starting their first youth camp that they're doing uh, July 7, 8, and 9. The same wow. time we'll be doing Firebrand yeah. together yeah. in West Virginia with our good friend Mike Robinson and it, 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 it blows my mind. They're, I'm not even scratching the surface. You know, the administrator of Fire School, uh, Pauline, has really taken on a leadership role there. She's going to visit the graduates. She's got a prayer burden. You know, she wrote me uh, just an email the other day just talking about her burden for revival, wanting to Man. see God move Amazing. in the churches. And what do we do? And how do we do this? And and friend, I'm just going to tell you, you might think, well, I don't know I could ever move to another country or, <laughs> or see testimonies like this. All it takes is for you to use what's in your hands it, or what God puts in front of you and start reaching after souls and, and pouring your life into them. It doesn't have to be thousands of people. I, I promise you, we've reached thousands of people through big meetings but we've poured our lives into a few. Yeah. And those few are now reaching thousands. Man, wow. You know, listening to you, I'm just thinking, you know what, this is the fruit of, of obedience, being obedient to a call, hearing from God, and allowing the Lord to, to really cultivate that burden for a people group, for a nation into your heart. And, you know, maybe you're listening today. Maybe you're my age. I'm, I'm almost 54 years old. Maybe you're like, man, I, I, I blew it. I should have done this in my 30s. Can I tell you, it, it's never too late to be That's obedient right. to the call of God upon your life. Some of the greatest people that I've seen, Smith Wigglesworth was up in his 40s when he launched, launched into ministry. So it's never too late, my friend. And again, there is such a dire need to make disciples who make disciples who make that's that's the gospel that's the reason why we have this program maintain the flame that's the reason why eric has his podcast called revival cry and we both have a radio show that that is in southeast asia and in many parts of the world we're able to reach with our the tower on i think almost 40 something percent of the world's population not because we want a big ministry because we are desperate to see jesus glorified through his disciples so eric would you um would you pray for the people today especially those that are feeling the call of god upon their lives you know lord we thank you I, you gave me a message recently called canceling our forefathers and lord i i am hearing the stories about how the united methodist church many are disassociating themselves from and i heard mm. you say that they're trying to cancel john wesley mm. 
and and Lord, I just believe there's people listening to me today and whatever denomination, maybe they are just feel like they're alone. But God, you are running to raise up for yourself godly yes. men and women that would become spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers mm-hmm. to this next generation Amen. that will yes. flood their souls with passion, with the fires of revival burning in their heart. God, I pray you, that Lord. you would use them. I pray that you'd use them in the schools, mm-hmm. in the business world, God, yes. in the church, God, in their home, maybe yes. the homeschooling moms listening to us. God, in Jesus' name, raise up for yourself the next John Wesley, Lord, for yourself, Evelyn Thompson, those men and women that just trust you with the little that you've put in their hand to explode and see the gospel spread through those around them. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Eric, for being with me today. Please come back and be with us. Hey, listen, if you want to learn more about Eric and Casey Miller's ministry, revivalcry.org yes sir if you want to learn more about us you can go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org thank you so much for listening to maintain the flame let me encourage you to share this with your friends and friend it is an honor and a blessing to be able to come into your lives each and every week and to share the truth and the truth is jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. We'll see you next week on Maintain the Flame. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.